I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Um, I was thinking, how many of you guys know the story of Scott Foster? Oh, at least one. Not many. Scott Foster was a beer league goaltender sitting in the stands uh, at a Blackhawks game against the Winnipeg Jets. And um, they always have a third goalie sitting in the stands who gets to go sit there for free, sit in the box rooms for free. He gets just the, the best view of the game. And then, uh, and then if the goalie and the backup goalie go down, he gets the call. Well, Scott Foster got the call a few years ago, and this beer league goalie comes in, and the Winnipeg Jets couldn't even beat him, which was kind of sad. But um, yesterday I had that, oh, man, I feel nervous about this a bit. But I totally trust and sense that the Lord is with us, amongst us, and has a message for us. One of my greatest joys as a preacher and a pastor is when you step into a worship service and you don't know the songs picked, you don't know what's going on in the hearts of the people and stuff, and you just start sensing as we're sitting here and worshiping that the Lord has actually completely put it all together that morning and the things he wants to say. And I'm fully trusting that he has that through the word that he's placed on my heart uh, yesterday for us here today. So my name is Vince Kaler. I, together with my wife Mavis, have been attending here for the last few months, uh, kind of since things opened back up and we could start meeting in here. And then before that, we were checking things out online and, uh, and getting to know just your heart and your heartbeat as a church a little bit before even you were allowed to meet back together in here. Um, before coming here, I was a pastor at the Blumenort EMC for the past 12 years. Kind of like Matt's role, my, my role has shifted and moved around a bunch. I was a youth pastor there for eight years and a community pastor for the past four, together with being their camp director at Eagle Lake Bible Camp out in Ontario. My wife is Mavis. She's a preschool teacher at the Blumenort Christian Preschool. She's also known as the Miss Mavis. So when we run into people, then they come, oh, you're the Miss Mavis? Yes, she, I am so fortunate to be married to the Miss Mavis. Kids love her. Um, it's been neat joining your family and seeing some of those relationships that she's developed over the years uh, of being a preschool teacher. She's been there for 11 years since the preschool opened. And so watching those relationships actually come to life here. And no matter where we go, people know Miss Mavis. Um, I've known your pastors for longer than I've actually been around here, especially Matt. Matt and my relationship goes back quite a long ways, and we share a lot of the same interests. We both have a beard. We both like to butcher and play with meat stuff. Um, him and I, a few years ago, were talking about actually kind of joining together and starting a meat ministry. Um, I have a small little butcher shop in my, in my shop. Um, that we gather guys to just come and hang out. And, and it's an art that has been lost, uh, but we enjoy just spending time. When you start cutting up meat, it takes hours of cutting up meat together. And it's been, truthfully, one of my most exciting places of ministry where I sit with men who will never walk into our churches, but they will pour out their hearts to me while we're cutting up meat and providing for their families about how they feel about their relationship with God or their relationships at home. And it's been a beautiful place to just uh, speak love and encouragement into their lives. So Matt and I uh, have connected on that level. Um, both worked with youth 
And both have this deep and passionate love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matt and I can go for long walks. We did it this summer for a long walk. We left from 80 Penner Park, and I don't know, I think we went all over Steinbeck and just walked and talked and never run out of things to talk about because we have so many common interests. But both of us have had some health issues, and so our lungs run out before our legs and stuff run out. But uh, I really have appreciated uh, my time with Matt. I've appreciated getting to know Rob and Greg and, uh, and just spending time with your pastors. Um, You know, a couple Sundays ago, Mavis and I walked out of here and I was like, I think we actually recognize or know more people in that congregation than we don't. And I want to thank you for making us feel at home. Transitions are never easy when you've been a part of one body for 12, 13 years and in leadership. To step out of that is just like, where do we belong? And I'm just so grateful that we can come here Sunday after Sunday and feel like we have a place to belong and that, uh, that we are a part of a body. Um, not that we aren't a part of the body at Blumenort, but just a place where we can feel uh, accepted and loved. And I just want to thank you guys for allowing us to do that here. A couple Sundays ago, Matt shared with us a message, uh, in his message, the impact that his heart attack had on his life. And that it kind of put him this urgency. Now's the time. Now's the time to act on that revelation the Lord had put on his heart to get into the marketplace. It's no longer time to just kind of, I think that's a good idea, but no, I really like working in the church. No, now's the time, Matt. You got to go and you got to do it. Like Matt, my life has had a number of curveballs thrown at it in, in my health. In 2015, I was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma and went through 12 rounds of chemotherapy, and they said I was in remission. Then about six months later, they told me my cancer was back, and the doctors decided to go with a really aggressive form of treatment, again, more chemo, and then a complete stem cell transplant, uh, which landed me in the HSC for 21 days in isolation in a total private room with nurses checking in on me every 15 to 20 minutes, 24 hours a day. No matter if you're sleeping, they came, they took your blood pressure and everything. It was a serious, uh, tough time. And again, walked out of there and they said, Vince, you're in remission. And I, okay, here we go again. Get my feet back under me and start doing life. And it was within a year that I was told, man, sorry to tell you, but you're out of remission. And we found a spot in your spine now and we've got to go after it with 20 rounds of radiation. And so I signed up, and for day after day, I went into the Health Science Center in Winnipeg and had 20 rounds of radiation. Then they said, Vince, you're in remission again. Do you think I started believing them? (laughs) Not really. But we were blessed with two years of complete no cancer scares. Now this spring, oh, sorry, I'll back up a little bit. In January, I stepped down from my role at the church. Two years of cancer-free. Now's the time. If there's time to make any changes or moves, hey, yeah, it's good. And we have this piece of stepping away. Three months after that, so this spring, I started... Thanks, Sheldon. started experiencing some of the symptoms coming back while I was working here in town, and I thought, this is way too familiar. And sure enough... Uh, in this, this summer, I was re-diagnosed for the fourth time, and I'm currently in the middle of yet another cancer battle and I'm doing treatments. Ten days ago, I had a treatment, which ended me up in the ER. 
And, uh, and truthfully, I still feel a little traumatized, uh, shocked by what all went on. And yet, the Lord has me standing here in front of you to share a word of encouragement that he is with us no matter the storms we walk in. I share these things because you need to know a little bit about who I am and the things that I'm going to share with you. They'll probably be a little direct. I don't want them to be discouraging, uh, but you need to know that my journey hasn't been an easy one. Now, this is just one aspect. I could talk, you, talk to you about the broken home that I grew up in and growing up here in Steinbeck. I could talk to you about the hardness of my life as a teenager and, and stuff. So the Lord has brought me through that, but through it all, he has shown me he is incredibly good. Matt's urgency was the call that the Lord had placed on his heart to the marketplace and to be the pastor of Unger Meats. I really liked the way that he encouraged us in that and challenged us. Do you see yourself as a pastor in the environment that you go to day after day? Are you actually comfortable saying that? As I was thinking this through, like, what if we, how did you call that, Rob, last week? I dub you, or what do you like, you know? Yeah, I deputize you. What if you were deputized today? You are all deputized to go be the pastor of wherever you're going Monday morning. How would you feel about that? What things in your life would line up is a question I would have. You know, as a person who's been in ministry for 18 plus years, uh, when I walk into a superstore, I see people that I don't know and they smile and I go, they know me, but I don't know them. I've had that very many times, and I've got to kind of watch, and I don't do this as like faking or whatever, but I actually have to walk in a way that if they see me standing up here, I didn't know I was going to be preaching up here last week. I didn't know that. Now, if I ran into you at Superstore and you saw me flipping out and telling off somebody, and now I'd be standing up here today and preaching the word, you'd go, really? Who's that guy? So if I put the title of pastor on you, what things would have to change Monday morning? It's a weight, and I appreciate your pastors in this church because I know at this point I'm not a pastor. This summer, should I say this live? Yeah. This summer I was asked to do a number of weddings in a season and a time where we weren't supposed to do weddings. There's a weight that sits on the minister to do that. But because I wasn't affiliated with anybody and I wasn't an official pastor at that point, I could actually step in and help out some of these young couples this summer who were trying to get married in the middle of, no, you can't actually get, you can get married in signing a paper, but from the Christian side of it, that's, that's a paper. I always tell couples, that signature, that means nothing. It's this bond between God, our Father, and the body that you are committing, the vow that you are making. And so... Um, I just want you to, yeah, to know that that responsibility that Rob or that Matt challenged us to—that's a big one. Like Matt, I've had um, a few things really laid on my heart during these significant health challenges. I've had a number of times where I didn't know if I would make it through this this journey. When I was diagnosed with stage four, I actually. I felt like it's probably not, I'm not going to make it through. Um, but at the same time, God's good and he can heal and he can do a miracle. And if he wants me to keep going, then I'll keep going. But those moments, it's like, what am I living for? What's important? 
And when you get beyond that and you feel saved and spared, oh God, like what do you want from me? I shouldn't have made it through that. And you start to feel this pressure of, what does the Lord actually want from me? He kept me alive. I shouldn't have made it. He kept me alive. He must have a purpose. And a number of my pastor friends helped me simmer that down a little bit. Uh, God has a plan and he didn't, it doesn't change. It's not just because I saved you now for a moment. Uh, now you better serve me. That's not the way he works. Like you're my little puppet. Uh, if because I saved you, you have to do all this. That's not the way he works. But at the same time, every time you come into one of those crunches, you realize, oh man, it wasn't my time to go. So Jesus, how can I serve you? How can I worship you? How can I draw people to you? How can we build the kingdom? And I have felt that, experienced that numerous times. Since September, just give you a little snapshot of life since September. September 2nd, I had a treatment. September 6th, I got tested positive for COVID. Big like middle of treatment, this is not going to be great. The Lord brought us through that. Um, end of September, I had another treatment just coming out of quarantine. Boom, they hit me again. And that's when I had this major reaction. My major reaction was in the ER and I was shaking and going crazy. And it's like, again, this week, I feel like, Lord, what, what do you want from me? And I just want to be faithful. He's good. I've been working now at the rental house for the past six months. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, this community desperately needs followers of Jesus to rise up and be a light. Desperately. Like, desperately needs people to rise up. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. You are. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. One of the key things that the Lord has placed on my heart in those moments um, is that I long to be in a church and a part of a church where the hopeless can come and find hope. If we can't preach that message or people can't come into here and feel safe and that they can find hope Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that Jesus is worth our worship, then I don't know what we're doing as a church. And that's been something that has been placed heavy on my heart and that's something I want to be a part of. Let's just skip some of this. When I look around, and I see this in the cancer care, but I don't see it just there. There, it's very obvious. Uh, And I look straight into people's eyes. There's so many people that are walking through our world completely hopeless and broken. Completely Christians and non-Christians living in a place where they feel completely hopeless and broken. Okay, let me recalibrate here. When I laid uh, in the Health Science Center night after night, uh, I pleaded with the Lord Um, would probably be a good way of putting it. 
day after day for a revelation. I said, okay, God, all of this suffering, all this hardship, totally worth it if you just give me a revelation of who you are. My first cancer journey, I literally felt the Holy Spirit sitting right beside me. Like, I remember nights where I could not sleep, worrying about the next meeting I would go to and meeting with all the specialists. I had 25 doctor's appointments in 60 days before I started treatment that first time. It went from kind of trying to do normal life with pains and aches and stuff to like, you have cancer and it is bad. You now need to drop everything in your life and start just going to these appointments. And those appointments were hard every single time. And I would just feel the Holy Spirit holding me. One night, I literally felt like he'd had me just cupped in his hand and saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going with you to that meeting tomorrow. And a fog came down over my life that there's no way I could see Rob sitting in front of me here. And all I seen through that fog was a hand reaching out and just saying, just grab hold. Just grab hold of my hand. Trust me. Trust me. That was experience one. Experience two, which was incredibly more difficult from a treatment end, nowhere to be found. And all I heard, Vince, you need to trust me. I'm going to take you through a season of trust. I haven't left you. I will not forsake you, but you're going to have to trust me in this season. And that was a long journey, season two. So season two, while I was sitting in the HSC, pleading with the Lord for a revelation, and he's feeling distance, every night as I would lay there in my bed, totally by myself in the room, I'd say, God, just give me a revelation. He'd say, this is all just the result of the fall. <laughs> I know that. I'm a pastor. Remember, Jesus? Plead again. God, I just want a revelation. I felt you so close. Like, bring me closer. Show me something. Vince, this is just a result of the fall. 21 days I was in that room by myself and praying and asking, Lord, like, I want a revelation. And one night he gave it to me. Are you ready for it? It's just a result of the fall. My heart shifted. And I got it. It's not that I didn't get it before. It's not that you don't get it. You look around. We live in a broken world. It does not take rocket science for us to see that. It's broken in many ways. But my heart shifted and it was like, oh man, Jesus, I long for you to return. And it moved to the return. It moved to the like, what was life like for Adam and Eve before the fall? And this picture of like, man, what's it, what would it have been like before they were deceived? And the devil looks at Eve and he says, you know, God just doesn't want you to be like him and, and doesn't want you to have the knowledge of good and evil. And then I started thinking, what would it be like to live without that knowledge of good and evil? Oh, that'd be freeing. And I started longing for that to come in my life. And that was the big revelation. And that was like bringing hope to the hopeless. And my eternal perspective shifted a little bit. And, and I want to get out of here. I'm sick and tired of suffering. I'm tired of cancer. And I'm tired of watching things break apart all around us. But just like Rob just said and read out of Scripture, like, I love my family. I don't want to leave them. And so as long as God has me here, then I want to serve and I want to build his kingdom because there's so many people in our neighborhoods who are walking hopeless. And we, the church, followers of Jesus, have the answer for them. One of the things that the Lord has blessed me, blessed me with through these challenging 
times is just to trust in his goodness and his faithfulness in all seasons. I've been through seasons where I could feel him close, and I've been through times where I just didn't feel that he was close at all. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The devil has one goal, and that is to rob you and I of a full life. That's his goal, to separate us from the Father and to rob you and I of a full life. On this side of eternity, we struggle to figure out what does that fullness look like. And I long for that to just be set right, and I don't have to live in that struggle. But the enemy is constantly picking at us, constantly trying to rob us of that fullness that the Lord has for us. Through my journey, I'm not going to lie, it hasn't been easy. And it's not that I just like, though I have trust and I know that the Lord is good and he has shown that and proven that to me over and over, um, it's not that I just, it's a cakewalk. I've had completely 100% sleepless nights where I didn't get a wink before walking into the next doctor's appointment meeting. I've struggled uh, to just find understanding in the midst of the battles that I've faced. These experiences, though, have taught me that what Scripture says about God is true. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. Moses encouraged the Israelites in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I've experienced this to be true in my life. And in these deep sorrows, we may ask, is that actually true? Like, really? Really, God? You're with me in these storms? Because it sure don't feel like you're with me in these things. It just seems like it's stacking up. If I'm honest with you, it feels like things have stacked up since September. Like crazy in my life. I've had a couple of serious times that could have taken me home since September alone, and it's like, what on earth is going on? It's stacking up. Yet, David writes in Psalm 22, and and Jesus on the cross, it's okay for us to say, God, like, have you forsaken me? Jesus said it on the cross. David has it over and over. Like, God, have you forsaken me? Maybe you feel that. In my journey, I can't tell you how many people have come out, and this is good intention, they come up and they'll be like, oh, Vince, man, I'm sorry to hear your cancer's back. Like, you know, it's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to be frustrated at him. Like, he can handle it. Yes, he can. But is that the right response? Like, and it's well-meaning, and, and I get it. But is that the right response? Like, he can handle it, but he still is God. And he still is in control. And Jesus' response God, like, why have you forsaken me? But not my will be done, your will be done, and I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk in it regardless. You are God, you are sovereign, you know best. Please be glorified. And look what happened. Jesus brings salvation for all of us because of his faithfulness in the midst of the storm. He can handle it. You can flip out on him. He can handle it and he can forgive you. Is that the best response? I'm going to say no. I personally think the best response is submission. 
and saying, Lord, I don't understand. I need you to give me the strength to keep walking. Not my will, but your will. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 9. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. If you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, not, does you no good? Listen to me and, I, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me and your ears will be opened. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among nations. Think about what Rob preached on last week. David's soldierness is just like awesomeness and the power that he had. Uh, I can't... Uh, Rob, you brought that to life last week in the, the battle that was going on and how ticked David was. It's just real. Like he is, he's mad as a hornet and he's got the power to go wipe him out. Right? The Lord gave David this power and used him so that people would come to see the power of God. There was a spiritual war going on between the gods, and David was God's man. God is going to show the people of Israel that he was in control. Let me get back. You also will command the nations you do not know, and the people unknown to you will come running to obey. Because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. You also, God worked through David, but you also, us here at Calvary Church, God wants to make you glorious. He wants to shine through you and use you to build his kingdom here on earth, right here in Steinbeck. Yes, Sorry. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. This, I, I just think this is for us. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I've experienced in walking into new churches is that, oh, Sheldon goes to church here. I'm, I'm just going to like wing this right here. I played hockey with Sheldon. If I were to welcome him up here and tell him, just you got free reign. What are things that uh, you are reminded of of the Vince Kaler you played hockey with? Wouldn't be pretty. I'm glad that he's saying no, no, don't. I don't care. I'll wear my mask back here. Just don't ask me to come onto the mask-free zone. You know. I worked for Barry and Carol Krentz wasn't my most shining time of life, although it was a time when the Lord did uh, do a work in transforming my heart, and that's exactly while I was working for them that I started taking the steps into ministry and getting involved in leading youth. But I'm sure that Barry would have some interesting thoughts of this crazy Kaler kid that worked for him. Does sin in our lives like do we want to run from it does it disgust us and does it like like this passage is talking about 
Will we want to banish it and, and do away with it because we want to live holy lives? Not because we're perfect, but we actually like strive for it and long for it? Let them turn. Here's the, here's the beautiful thing. Let them turn to the Lord that they may have mercy, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to God, for he will forgive you generously. I've experienced this in my life, the generous forgiveness of the Lord, of that bad, attituded, mean hockey player, and of the, all these different things that the Lord has redeemed me from. He has been gracious. Yes, he, yes turn to God, he will forgive you generously. Here, this is, this is it. Think about this. Verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That is the God we worship. Why on earth was I sitting in cancer care for 21 days? Why? I don't know. I do know that at the end of it, And the battles and the struggles that I had, one nurse who came in every single day and would ask me the list of five things, six things, if I was having uh, symptoms, the same nurse who walked into my room in the first days that I was there and was trying to make chat, chit-chat with me, and she's like, oh, so what do you do? And the second I said, I'm a pastor, whoa, I'm not religious. That was her response, I'm not religious. And my relationship with her was like, oh, Lord, how do I show her you? I can't preach to her. I can't get pushy and tell her she needs Jesus. And I was just, Lord, speak through. That same nurse walked into my room on the last day and she said, Vince, still no mouth sores, still no diarrhea, still no, and just on and on and on, all the five things. And then she said, that's because of all the prayers that have been said for you. That I'm not religious attitude could see that there was something different. That the God who we read about here, who has ways far beyond ours, that we don't comprehend and understand, is doing things. So what if, what if that 21 days was solely spent there so that lady's heart could get softened a little bit towards the kingdom? Are you willing to do that? How far are you willing to go and suffer to draw one person closer to the kingdom? That's a seriously hard question to ask. It may be easy, I'm not a scholar, I know this is in the Bible. It may be easy for me to suffer knowing that my son over there, if I suffer, he will join the kingdom for sure. If Jesus were to come to me and say, Vince, I'm going to put you through this, 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 and this, and when you walk through that fire, I guarantee you your kids and your family will come to heaven. As a father, I'm in. I'm I'm down for it. How about my friends? Well, yeah, I'm down for that too. Same level of suffering for the guy that annoys me? I don't know. How far are you willing to go for somebody to spend eternity in heaven? Uh, It's a tough challenge. And my prayer has been that, Lord, like I want nobody to miss out. I don't even care, like greatest enemy. I was many people's greatest enemy when I was a high school kid. And I go, man, somebody prayed for me. Somebody's desire was for me to come to the kingdom and to be a part of it. And I, the other two weeks ago, I was sitting in here and I'm going like, man, Lord, 
all these people that I've interacted and crossed paths with in the past, if they know my story, can you just help them to forgive me? Like, you know, can they forgive those things and not hold it against me? Because you've done a work and I'm grateful for it, but just that they wouldn't hold those things against me because we do. We remember the bully in high school and uh, God works those things out. I'm grateful that he's doing that. Okay, I'm just going to quickly grab this little anchor. I want it to, being a youth pastor and a camp director, you can't speak without some sort of example. So I called my buddy. His anchor is a little cleaner than mine. This is like a, this is a prime catfishing Red River anchor right here. When life gets rough, who are you anchored to? And what are you anchored to? This anchor can hold you in the Red River on a, on a boat, and it can, in that super strong current, when you drop this thing down, it can kind of hold you in a pretty straight line. If you are like, get it just right, you don't move a lot in the boat as you're holding on to the anchor. And the Lord just, now let's look at it from that side. He just keeps you there. But as you let this thing go out longer and longer, you start to sway much further. And if you get far away from that anchor and things are going on, all of a sudden you can be moving all over the place. And difficulties can feel really challenging. And you can feel like you're in the storms and swaying. He doesn't let go of you. He continues to be right there, remaining steadfast. He hasn't gone anywhere. He never will. But we tend to let the rope out longer and longer. Sometimes we need to let the rope out. This analogy can fall apart because sometimes we need the rope out in order to catch more. Like if I think of when I've spent nights on the Red River, if I just remain tight, all we're jigging is that little bottom. Sometimes when we're out and the boat's moving, now we're covering more ground. That's okay, but there are times when you and I have to get right down to this link and we need to get right on it and just hover there and not move from that anchor. Sometimes that's a season. Sometimes that's a moment and he can refresh you just like that. But too often I feel... Southeastern Manitoba, we are living way on the end of our rope and just swinging. Hey, we're in a Christian community. It's all good. We're all Christians here. It's all good. One thing that I've realized in moving into the customer service world after working full-time in the church for 12 years and having my daughters both work in customer service jobs, is that this area, the Bible Belt, is in desperate need of the followers of Jesus to shine their light and to be salt and light to the world. Galatians 5, no, yeah, Galatians chapter 5 talks about the freedom we have in Christ through the Spirit and encourages us to walk in that newness. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Hmm, that's a phrase we like right now, right? Like, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the words of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensual 
hospitality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things. I warn you, as I warned you before, that these, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a scary verse right there. There's a whole lot of stuff in there that I see happening around all the time. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, against such things there is no law. There's no law against those things. We can live it out. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. So let's think about Matthew 5, verse 16, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven and desire to live out those fruits of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the world needs us to to rise up and to live those out. Rob, where are we at for time? Okay. My first three months working in the marketplace, as Matt would call it, were very discouraging. And uh, when I would go home night after night, and I felt my heart broken, and I felt like, hey, Lord, like, where are you, Jesus? And again, we're in the Bible Belt. I kind of thought, like, man, I'm going to work customers. So I work behind the desk at the rental house. People come in, they want a tool, they talk to me, I rent them the tool. I had about a thousand tools to learn, all the codes for and all the different things in order to actually get that tool into your hands. And I'd have people coming and it would be like, it was tough. I can remember one guy that when he left, my manager Harold and I were talking about it and we're like, I actually really wonder if that guy's a Christian. I wonder if he's a Christian because he came in with such gentleness, fruit of the Spirit, patience, fruit of the Spirit, and kindness. Harold and I were talking about it, and it's like, man, if people would just come in with kindness, it would make us start to wonder, are you, are you a Christian? Because you stand out. Because I will tell you that here in Steinbeck, the response is not kindness. The response is far more like um, the flesh. When my 17-year-old daughter works at a place like Sobeys and gets chewed out by a 50-year-old person, does that person have any idea? Like, does that 17-year-old know where the macaroni is? They probably never went and bought it. They just check that stuff through for you. It's not their fault. In our world of masks, when someone walks in a store without a mask and that 16, 17-year-old has to ask you to put it on, how's your love being displayed? I don't like them. All my treatments have absolutely destroyed my lungs. If there's one person who could actually go get a note and I could walk into everywhere, here's my trump card, I don't have to wear one, but my heart breaks for that kid who has to then confront me. I know how hard it is for that kid to come and confront. Out of love, I'll put the stupid mask on and walk in the store so that I can be a light and an encouragement. 
I'm going to ask Elmer to come up and team. I believe that their closing song is Build My Life. And uh, super powerful words in this song. I just would really encourage you to think about them as you worship. Think about, are you building your life around Jesus? Are you building your life? Are you submitting your day-to-day uh, because of what he's done for you? And as an act of worship, 